Her time is growing shorter. Every day is another notch up on the pressure cooker. That's life. Waking with the pressure, sleeping with that same pressure, dreaming about the pressure. Every month, the pressure intensifies like the inevitability of the changing of the seasons, month after month, as ominous as a train coming down the trestle 200 feet off the ground, a trestle which you have to cross, but now there's a train. Her husband doesn't get it. Not, not really. He cares. He tries. But he doesn't really understand. In fact, he, he gives her a double portion because of his deep love for her. But no matter that, because everyone else at the temple can see that she's getting a double portion. It doesn't feel like love. It feels like pity. Every year it happens, and the more that it happens, the more that it feels like pity, and it feels like a truckload of shame. It's like a reminder of how broken she is and how not broken others appear to be. It's a reminder of how unfulfilled her life is becoming the more the seasons come and go year after year Prayer after prayer, tear after tear, endless years and prayers and tears, begging God, trying to live faithfully, walking through pain that's constant and knowing that you're never living up. Failure is just a persistent foe. Nothing has worked and they have tried everything. Even the trying is now filled with heartache. In fact, she wishes that her heart would stop so that she could end the heartache. But instead, it's still going, but it's decaying slowly. It's a slow death from the inside. We've all been through a season of trial, a season of testing, a season of endurance, a season of pain or suffering. Some of us may be scarred so deeply that that pain shapes a certain way that we respond to some things in our lives, even today. Your season might have been persecution. Your season might have been friends at school who you thought were your best until they turned their back. It might be family that you were really close with but now they won't take your call. Your season might be battling health, maybe your own, maybe a close friend or relative. The Lord promises comfort and hope all throughout his word, but sometimes it doesn't feel like anything comforting is happening, and we might begin to wonder, is there any way that faithful believers could renew their hope, or could they strengthen somehow that hope that we're promised in His Word? When we're falling deeper and deeper into despair, or maybe we're at the bottom of our pit of suffering and trial, how does a faithful Christian renew that hope that we gather here because we believe is real. 
in the first chapter of the first book of Samuel, we'll see a powerful woman of God journey through a season of her life that was filled with just such pain and suffering. Her hope was dim. Her chances were slim. Hannah, who was not only barren, but also mocked and misunderstood by her closest family and friends, finds a way to walk through faithfully those sufferings and those trials. Even her priest accuses her of being drunk when she's praying. She's the ultimate underdog. In fact, when she's at rock bottom, her adversary pushes her harder down. But faithfully, Hannah walks through a season of trial and suffering by clinging to hope. So every one of us maybe not have been in Hannah's specific position. Hannah couldn't conceive for years. But every single one of us, if you haven't yet, you will be soon, will travel through a season of life that is full of pain, suffering, loss, sorrow, grief, misunderstanding, or being wrongly accused in some way, maybe persecution, because it's part of what our culture will call the human experience and what we know is a sin-shattered world. So follow along in your purple handouts as we seek to journey like Hannah faithfully through a season of pain, of grief, or loss, or misunderstanding, or being misunderstood, or being wrongly accused, and find a way this morning to strengthen our hope. I'm going to begin in Psalm 33, one of the passages Stephen's already read, our soul waits for the Lord. He's our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in Him. Because we trust in His holy name, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Amidst our pain, how does a Christian faithfully wait? Number one, and many of you are going to discover a number zero here, but let me finish number one. Hope is strengthened when we choose to persevere. Hope is strengthened when we choose to persevere. You're going to see it again if you didn't get it right now, but I'm going to move to Romans 12 where Paul writes, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. So many of you, I thought, might feel as though if you came to church and we do this big buildup about seasons that are difficult, full of suffering and pain, and I told you to go home and pray, you might leave feeling reminded, but a little frustrated. So go ahead and write it on your, on your handout. Write number zero, pray. Because all the way through the first chapter of Samuel, you're going to see her pray. And then in chapter 2, you're going to see her praise God. But I thought some of you might already know the answer. So we're just going to say that one is an understood, that one is a given. We all know that as Paul says so many times through the New Testament letters, 
we've got to pray. But number one is, hope is strengthened when we choose to persevere. And I want to read from Romans 5, 1 through 5. And if you're own, uh, maybe in your own scriptures, you might want to begin highlighting this because it's a very important reminder as Christians who will be persecuted, who will travel through difficult times in life, these words are life. Therefore, since, I want to go fast on verse one, so let me go. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So number one is peace with God. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. But listen to two more things we have. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which now we all, plural, we all, y'all, all of us, we all rejoice. Do we rejoice in the fact that life is miserable? No, it says that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, that thing that we're after this morning, and hope does not put us to shame. Here's another thing God gives us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to each of us. So a whole litany of things there that we're not going to preach a whole sermon on today. But I want to focus very specifically on the fact that hope is strengthened when we choose to persevere. Now, Hannah could have stopped going to the temple. She could have stopped believing. And you know, you can't stop believing. Don't, don't you do it. Don't stop. We rejoice in the hope of the what, Georgetown? The hope of the glory of God. So as a, an illustration here, uh, my buddy Hannah, many of our buddy Hannah, we have these really cool pink shirts on that Miss Heather designed, and some of us have purple shirts on because 26 of us, many of us from Georgetown Christian, um, to varying depths plunged in Deem Lake yesterday, and I would invite you to ask Hannah specifically, how far did Hannah go into that lake? She will tell you, and she'll be honest. But we plunged in that lake because we're supporting the Special Olympics, because our buddy Hannah loves to bowl, and she loves to play baseball. Now, how many of you believe that our buddy Hannah, who has cerebral palsy and who was born with a congenital heart defect, how many of you believe that when Hannah was born, Doug and Heather were like, yay, let's have a party. That's fully insane. That is not what we're talking about here. But instead, the Meltons decide to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not rejoice in the hope. Now, if Hannah had been healed, we're going to have a big party. But they chose to rejoice in the hope of glorifying God somehow through this very clearly dark time. And the results, well, they, they don't stop coming. You know, they, they keep coming. How many of us have ever persevered? We've We've chosen to persevere through a trial such that you could see uh, something like what happened with Hannah's buddies yesterday. See, Hannah's frozen friends uh, have fundraised for 10 years, and we're going to get a 10-year total, and you can do a lot of clapping, but let me get the yesterday's total first. Uh, and 
the Meltons, I think, want me to say thank you for all of your support because yesterday Hannah's Frozen Friends raised $17,000, which is more than twice second place for our whole Polar Plunge. Now, there should be a little clapping because that's a lot of money, but hang on to the big clapping. There's big clapping because in the course of 10 years, because of a choice to persevere through difficulty and seasons of not knowing why or how, choosing to persevere through those times, uh, Hannah and her frozen friends were able to raise over $100,000 in 10 years. Woo! (coughs) And that is a choice. It is a hope to glorify God in the midst of a season of pain and suffering that is a result of a broken, sin-shattered world. Hope is strengthened when we choose to persevere. Hope is renewed. And number two, hope is renewed when we purposefully remind ourselves of God's promises. When we purposefully remind ourselves of God's promises. Now, how many funerals have you been to where you hear the pastor read this from the prophet Isaiah? But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like what, Georgetown? Like eagles. Lanesville's favorite verse. It reminds us that even in death or even in the suffering of those who are still here, We're going to find strength and hope in the Lord. How weird would it be to go to the funeral of a believer and not hear anything about the hope that both that person who's transitioned to heaven and those who are still here have in Jesus? How weird would that be? So listen to this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth And imagine not hearing this at the funeral of a believer when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Audience participation, I'll let you know. Death is swallowed up in victory. Okay, Georgetown, this is you. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Okay, I'll take it from here. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through, say it with me, Georgetown, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It sounds like perseverance. And imagine not hearing that at the funeral of a believer. That would just be weird. Can you, can you fathom not hearing Paul's words in a letter to the church in Philippi? In this letter, he writes, for me to live in, is Christ and to die is gain. Imagine not hearing. That is just, it's not something that I can imagine, because when we gather in the face of the presence of death, we purposefully remind ourselves of the hope we have. So our hope is renewed 
when we purposefully remind ourselves. Now, if we don't make a practice of recalling God's promises, I am not saying they're worthless, but of how much worth are they compared to if we make a habit of reminding ourselves. So Valentine's Day is Tuesday. I didn't see any husbands like, (gasps) I didn't hear any gasps. So if you did that, that uh, is on you, my friend. Uh, But you, you may want to make a note to get that taken care of today before the big game. But what if you didn't use Valentine's Day to purposefully remind your bride that you loved her? Sit with that for a minute. There would be a rather large consequence. I assure you, oh, I don't want anything. Have it, has anybody heard that before? If you've heard that, it's not true. That is a hint. Last night, our GCC marriage ministry, led by Pudgy and Kim Mitchell and Terry and Bev Spine and Jeff and Erica Erringer. And did I forget anybody, Pudgy or Kim? I know you guys are the leaders Lots of helpers, and thank you for all of your help. They provide in an evening of tasty food and uh, games that every age uh, could play together in a room that is set for a nice dinner with dresses and suits on. We still played fun games. And then uh, tasty food, don't forget that was amazing food from Amore, very tasty. And then also a reminder that that our love for one another is a love that we were given by God to share with our spouse and and that we're to share it like Christ loves the church. So all of those things sort of mixed together along with uh, uh, some tools for better loving our spouses because the goal of the marriage ministry is to strengthen marriages and they do that by reminding spouses that they love each other, which last night was a great example of that. We, We purposefully reminded ourselves. We equipped ourselves for it. We came and had fun together. We had really tasty food. I don't know if I mentioned that, but it's really good. And we had child care, which is so critical for love. Critical, isn't it, parents of children? You know, it's critical. Yes. And, and so uh, in Psalm 119.11, the psalmist writes, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a There's a result of putting God's word in our heart. And even if you don't have it memorized, purposefully reminding ourselves of God's promises can bring us hope. Psalm 119 might be one that you want to remember. In fact, I'm pretty sure you could memorize it. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. So number two, hope is renewed when we purposefully remind ourselves of God's promises. So we're just, we're briefly visiting the life of Hannah. We're not doing a deep dive into her life. And you're not going to see number two in her life. You're not going to see her purposely reminding herself. But you're going to see that in the whole Testament of Scripture. Number one and number three, however, I think you will see through the life, not the first chapter, but the life of Hannah so quickly, what we're, we're asking is how do faithful believers journey through seasons of pain and suffering, trial, loss, grief, misunderstanding, or false accusation, or persecution? How do we faithfully journey through that? And we look at Hannah as an example. 
Because Hannah remembers what God has done. Hannah remembers. And we're in number three now. Hope is renewed when we remember what God has done. Psalm 143, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. Hannah remembers, and you'll see more of that in chapter 2 where she's giving him praise for all of his works. But I personally could list uh, like a hundred things I'm not amazing at. But a fun experiment in and you may or may not be welcome to try this. You'll have to ask my kids. But I think if you asked my kids individually, apart from one another, give me like the top 10 things your dad's not good at. Super fun to consider you doing that now. Maybe don't do this. But if you did do that and you shouldn't, then they would probably on all top 10 lists would probably say dad is not good at remembering. And they're so very keenly aware of this that they developed a system where if I say, for instance, Micah, you can have a party uh, on Saturday when we have the polar plunge and date night, Valentine's night, sure, you can have a party. And then Saturday rolls around and Micah says, my friends are coming over. And of course, what does dad say? No, they're not. We've got date night. <laughs> and Micah's thinking, you said. So they've developed a system where they'll text me and Andrea to say, dad said on this day that thus and such would happen. And then we just scroll through the text very respectfully, uh, typically. And I'm reminded then of what I said I would do because I'm not amazing at remembering. And you know, there's another group of people who have the same exact problem. And those people were like Jewish Christians. They were Jews, but they converted to Christianity. And they were not in Jerusalem. They lived scattered in what would be called the diaspora or a variety of cities that weren't Jerusalem. So here is a letter written to those people that's trying to remind them of the life that is available in Jesus and to remind them of the gift of eternal life and to remind them of the privilege and the peace that is now a part of our everyday lives as Christ followers. It's this letter, I'm just going to read from a, a segment we've labeled chapter 10, verse 32 and following. But the author is going to say one time the word remember, but I want you to hear this author try to remind those people who are thinking, maybe I should just go back to the law. Maybe I should just go back to those Jewish ways because life is becoming really difficult. These trials are not letting up. This suffering is not worth it. And I didn't encounter that when I was a Jew. The author says, remember those earlier days after you'd received the light when you endured in a great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. The writer is reminding them 
when they want to turn back to their old ways. He's reminding them of what God has done amidst their suffering, through their victories in seasons of pain, God is moving among them and strengthening them. Approaching one month, approximately, since my mom passed, this is going to be a tough week. It's uh, Valentine's Day, which I always sent mom a Valentine, and it's her birthday. So it's the first of each of those, and it'll be tough, but I am inclined to as I approach that difficult time, I am inclined to remember what God has done. I'm inclined to remember that in her last three days before she transitioned, you saw me not do that, before she transitioned to be with Jesus, there were three days that God gave my sister and my dad and my dad's sister and I where we got to remember all kinds of, uh, my thing was Mexican dip. Mom, I remember every single time I had friends over to swim or play basketball, Mexican dip. Just constantly Mexican dip. We got to remember that together. Then eventually we moved on to, Mom, we remember the amazing things that God has done through our family or through our life. And thereby, our pain was not removed but our hope was renewed. Hope is renewed when we remember what God has done. When we purposefully remind ourselves of his promises and when we choose to persevere. Brothers and sisters, would you bow your heads? We are each going to travel through a season of challenge of some kind. I don't know what it will be for each one of us, but we will each travel through a season of persecution or pain or suffering or grief or loss or misunderstanding, mistreatment, malignment. And brothers and sisters, what I want to ask is what if during our seasons of suffering, we choose to persevere? How will our families, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, maybe, maybe people that don't even live approximately geographically close, but people with whom we share faith in Christ, what if, what if as we purposefully remind ourselves of God's promises, when we find ourselves in a season like a depth of despair, what, what will happen in our hearts and lives? How will our neighbors take note as we walk through a season of drought and storm, but with hope because we remember what God has done? Whatever the season, maybe it's a season of anxiety and mental health struggle. Our desire is to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And as we encounter these dark seasons, we desire to see God get the glory when, when the light of Jesus is reflected out of our darkness into a culture that doesn't have hope. 
Brothers and sisters, may we, like Hannah, renew our hope. May we turn to God in prayer. May we believe his word, a word that Hannah received from the priest, a word that we'll receive as we open his word. Today, maybe some of you are without the eternal hope, the peace, the grace that comes from accepting Jesus. Today is the day for you to make the decision to say, I need hope eternal. And to join this family by coming down front. Not everything happens today, but it can. We can have a conversation and you can join the family. Maybe today is a day that you say, I'm just struggling with a lot of darkness and I am in one of those seasons we're talking about this morning. And I need prayer. And this is a morning for that. There is a place and a space for that prayer this morning if you would come to the front. Father God, it's our prayer that this morning you would be glorified by our choice, whatever that may be, to suffer alongside someone who is walking through a tough season or to trust you in a season of darkness and despair of our own. Father, in a storm of life, it's our desire that you would help us to turn to you in prayer, to choose to persevere, to remember your promises and to recall what you have done in our lives that you might receive the glory as we travel through the seasons of life. We pray this in Jesus' name.